Well, Jalo again. This is Buck Benning speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Bing Crosby Show from the 1948-1949 season. This episode is uh, created in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, very close to where I live, so pretty cool. Uh, also, it features Ray Milland, and Ray Milland, of course, famous actor who was in a lot of films, radio, television, for decades and decades probably most famously known for being in the movie The Lost Weekend that portrayed uh, a, a more realistic view of, of alcoholism and uh, its effects, negative effects and things, and so it was a very well-known movie. I think it was from the mid-1940s. Anyway, I hope you're going to enjoy this episode and tune in next time for some more Bing Crosby show. We enjoy bringing them to you in this great high quality sound and make sure you tune in on Fridays for um, our other episodes of of the Bing Crosby show from the 1943-1944 season. Uh, we'll see you next time. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day Well, this is Bing Crosby welcoming you to Philco Radio Time. Produced and transcribed in Vancouver, British Columbia, with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, and our talented and charming guests, Ray Milland, Marilyn Maxwell, and Joe Venuti. Now I'd like to present our master of ceremonies for this evening, a man of many parts in the flickers, and also known to you on the radio as Ross Dolan, detective. Mr. William Gargan, take a bow, Bill. Ready? Thank you, Bing. How about this place, Bill, huh? Oh, wow. Some crowd, big place. We better be good, we're quite a target up here. <laughs> Well, if they start to get restless, we can go right into a hockey game. I'll gladly play forward anything you want. Say, Bing, I don't like to start right off by complaining, but... Complaining, uh, Bill. After all, if I'm a master of ceremonies here, I should have introduced you to the folks. Oh, Bill, they know me. I've been up here before. Before who? Before the Indians. <laughs> anyway, incidentally, Bill, I got a big thrill a minute ago. I really did. Mm -hmm. When uh, Chief Joe Mathias made me an honorary member of the Squamish tribe. Well, that's right. You are now Chief Thunder Voice. Yep. Thunder Voice. Anyway, uh, let me be the first to compliment you on that uh, fancy headdress you're wearing. It is rather clever, isn't it? <laughs> Don't you think feathers do something for me? Oh, you're a smash in that outfit. But I can't figure out whether you remind me of uh, Sitting Bull uh, or uh, Woody Woodpecker or uh, Hedda Hopper. Hedda Hopper. <laughs> How did we miss By, you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, Bing, uh, how did they happen to make you an honorary Indian? Well, Bill, I guess it all goes back to the time when I was run over by a Pontiac. <laughs> Somehow or other, that must have thrown them a thought. Uh, say, Bing, you have Indians for neighbors down near your Nevada ranch, don't you? Oh, yes, indeed we have. Very stylish Indians, too. You know they have a teepee with the hot and cold running water? 
You mean to say they have modern plumbing in a teepee? No, no, that's their kids' names. Hot and cold running water. <laughs> running waters are a very big family down there. Uh, very popular. Bing, uh, hmm. don't you think it's about time for a song? Our uh, dialogue is leaking. Yes, a little bit it is. I think you're right. Lucky I just happen to have a tune handy. It's a bouncy, popular cowboy thing called Hair of Gold. John Scott, let's saddle old paint and get to going there, huh? Bring me in. I came down from West Vancouver for a little change of scene. And I stopped today in Santa Fe where I met a pretty queen. Hair of gold, eyes of blue, lips like cherry wine. Prettiest gal I ever knew, and I'm gonna make her mine. Oh, I planned to leave on Monday, but she held me kind of tight. So I held my ground and I hung around, and I left on Friday night. Hair of gold, eyes of blue, lips like cherry wine. The prettiest gal I ever knew, and I'm gonna make her mine. I was kind of blue and lonely, so I took my horse and pack. And on Sunday morn I was up and gone, heading south and riding back. At the gate I found her waiting, I was happy as could be. Then I told her that I loved her too, and she said that she loved me. Hair of gold, eyes of blue, lips like cherry wine. The prettiest gal I ever knew, and I'm gonna make her mine. Oh, I'm gonna make that pretty little gal with hair of gold and eyes of blue and lips like cherry wine all mine. Well, that was very nice, Bing. Thank you, Bill. Uh, what happens now? Bill, I want to tell you, this is the spot where Ken Carpenter usually talks about Philco. Oh, the commercial. Mm -hmm, yes, uh -huh. Bill, and when Ken reads the commercial, it makes the Philco people very happy, and they send him $4. <laughs> he gives me two of it, and we're all happy. Say, there's big money in radio, oh, isn't there? Oh, yes, there is if you have wonderful products to sell like Philco has. Well, I'll say one thing, Bing. The new Philco radio phonograph that plays the long-playing records is really sensational. Oh, then you've heard about it. You know it plays regular standard records automatically, too? Sure, I know all about it. Well, then give us a commercial. I'll be glad to. Uh, give me the $4. <laughs> Bill, I don't pay the $4. You see, you get that from the Philco people. Oh, and uh, when I get the four, I give you two of it. That's right. Why? Well, I got to get something for coming down here. After all, I sing, I talk, I play the drums, I sweep up the studio, well, I put if on you fancy can, uh, clothes, if you dress can, up uh, like an Indian, jump yes, up and down but if and you run like a madman. A... I got to get a couple of bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can press a suit of clothes, I'll give you $2 of my four as soon as I get it. As soon as you press my suit. Well, Bill, I just don't happen to have my iron with me today. Oh. But I give you my word, the moment we get back to the hotel, I'll have your suit looking so pretty, 
No one will ever know it was slept in. <laughs> now, let's have the commercial. Come along now. Okay. Uh-huh. Remember, be very, very forceful and aggressive and right, dynamic. Right, right. Ladies and gentlemen, you should see what Philco's gone and done. Jiminy crickets, these new radio phonographs that play the new long-playing records are just out of this world. They're super, they're duper, they'll knock you for a looper. Hold it, Bill, Bill. Hear the new Philco radio phonograph for the listening thrill of your life. Do it today. Do it now. Go. Bill, That's Bill. the way to... Keep Bill. going. Go right That's down. That's enough. There. That's enough. You've done the job. You get the $4. Stand back. I want to try for eight. Get it. All right, Mr. Gosh. Your time is up. Give him a box of Snickers, somebody. Here's a rather nice tune called It's Magic. It's been sung with great understanding by Miss Doris Day, Chanteuse, on the Bob Hope program. Dear Bob, Chanteuse means a lady singer, I think. You sigh, the song begins. You speak and I hear violins. It's magic. The stars desert the skies And rush to nestle in your eyes It's magic Without a golden wand Or mystic charm Fantastic things begin When I am in your arms When we walk hand in hand The world becomes a wonderland It's magic How else can I explain Those rainbows when there is no rain It's magic Why do I tell myself These things that happen Are all really true When in my heart I know The magic is my love for you One of the uh, lovelier of the young flicker flem, fems, fems, is a pretty girl with whom I've worked before. She's not only decorous to any diggins, but she's a vocalist of considerable charm. It's always fun to talk to, sing with, and present Miss Marilyn Maxwell. Thank you, Chief Mumble Voice. No, Thunder Voice. Thunder oh, Voice, please. <laughs> nice of you to come up here, Marilyn. Come to Canada with us to do this benefit for the Sunset Memorial Center. 
I certainly hope you're having a good time, enjoying yourself. Hmm? Oh, Vancouver's a wonderful place. It's Canada's chief port and third largest city. It has one of the finest natural harbors in the world. It's a 1941 population of 275,353. <laughs> and is a terminus of the Canadian Pacific and Canadian National Railways. No other city can make that statement. <laughs> You certainly have all the facts and figures, Marilyn. By the way, tell me something. What? Is that figure of yours a fact? <laughs> yes, Bing, is yours? Well, all except the feathers, they're <laughs> new. <clears throat> Anyhow, Marilyn, shall we segue out of this repartee into some sort of a light little number, little ditty? Oh, I'd love to. Swell. How about doing a duet we did when you were just a little girl and I was a pale face? Well... <laughs> We did quite a few songs together. Which one will it be, Bing? Well, I rather think Side by Side would be sort of a snug selection. Well, so do I. <laughs> Shall we? Let's do it. John? We ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny, but we'll travel along. Singing a song side by side. Don't know what's coming tomorrow. Maybe it's trouble and sorrow. But we'll travel the road, sharing our load side by side. Through all kinds of weather. What if the sky should fall? Just as long as we're together, it doesn't matter at all. When they've all had their quarrels and parted, we'll be the same as we started. Just a-traveling along, singing a song, side by side. Oh, we ain't got a barrel of money Could be we're ragged and funny But we'll travel along Singing a song side by side Don't know what's coming tomorrow Up jump the devil Maybe it's trouble and sorrow Back off trouble, but back travel off. the road Sharing our load side by side Through all kinds of weather What if the sky should fall Just as long as we're together It doesn't matter at all When they've all had their quarrels and parted We'll be the same as we started Just a traveling along Singing a song Side by side Side by Wonderful. Thank you, Marilyn. Don't go away. Stand by for additional chores at a later moment. 
At this moment, I want to conjure up a little introduction for an Academy Award-winning celluloid celebrity who has spent a number of years toiling with me in the cinema vineyards at Paramount Studio. He's the handsome, debonair star who lost a weekend and thereby found an Oscar. <laughs> Mr. Ray Milan. Thank you, Bing. Oh, Ray, I'm glad to see you. You finally got here. Huh? You know you missed rehearsal. I uh, know. I'm sorry, Bing, but I was delayed. I stepped off the curb in front of the Vancouver Hotel, and I was run over by a Pontiac. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. You'll be an Indian chief in the morning. <laughs> Ray, I haven't seen you for months. Why, well, you've been keeping yourself. Well, I've been on a sort of a forced vacation, Bing. I've, uh, I've been kind of rambling around. I took a trip back home to England this summer. Oh, that's right. Jack Benny told me he saw you. He said he ran into you in uh, Piccadilly Circus, I think. Yes, he was... Uh... He was selling shoelaces, I think. <laughs> oh, that Jack's always on his toes, isn't it? <clears throat> Except when he's buying a ticket to a movie, then he's on his knees. <laughs> Say, Bing, uh, look, I'm uh, kind of shy, you know, and yes. uh, you have a beautiful girl in this show, Marilyn Maxwell, and I'd like to meet her right now, pronto. Shy, he says. <laughs> Ray, if I were you, I wouldn't breathe too deeply of this vigorous Pacific Northwest air that might really upset you Am I going to meet her or not? You certainly are. How do you do, Mr. Milan? Oh, just fine. <laughs> you can call me Ray. Thank you. And uh, you know Bill Gargan, Ray? Yeah, but I don't want to talk to him now. Not right now. <laughs> Hiya, Ray. Having a good time? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, what a town. And I stepped out of my plane at the airport. There must have been at least 2,000 people rushed up to meet me. Oh, I know. It's wonderful. When my yacht docked here at Vancouver, it took the police an hour and a half to clear a path for me through the cheering throng. Very big you went, huh? Mm -hmm. You should have heard the tremendous, tumultuous ovation I received when my private Pullman car rolled into a Victoria Station. <laughs> <laughs> Say, uh, Bing, huh. what kind of a reception did you get when you arrived? The bus station is a complete wreck. <laughs> it's a shambles, really. Bing, I can't believe it. A man in your position riding on a bus. You kidding? That's how he got in that position, riding on a bus. Here, here now. You know, Bing... I read in the papers that you were confused and rather frightened by the crowd that met you. Me? Confused and frightened? Ray, that's so ridiculous, so fantastic. They should see my house on bath night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't like to harp on this, Bing, but I also read that you didn't smile for the photographers when you came through the customs inspection. How could I smile with two cartons of Chesterfields in my mouth? <laughs> But, uh, but you don't smoke, Bing. Of course not. Now they tell me. <laughs> Anyhow, we're all having a grand time in Vancouver, and tomorrow Stan Thomas and the committee have arranged a wonderful fishing trip for us. The salmon are running, you know. Oh, I just can't wait to hear the patter of their little feet. <laughs> 
What a life. Radio sure is a soft touch. Say, Ray, how come you don't have a radio program? Well, I can't. I haven't got anything to give away. I know. <laughs> I know what you mean, Ray. You've got to come up with some loot on a program these days. Uh, you could do a new kind of show, Ray. Uh, call it Stop the Money and Give Away Music. <laughs> Bill, if I did a radio show, I'd like to do something fairly dramatic, say a detective thing. I don't know, Ray. Bill Gargan here did a detective show for two and a half years. Ross Dolan, detective. Oh, what happened to your show, Bill? I lost it. I couldn't find a sponsor. Some detective, huh? Oh, uh, you were a good detective, You're Bill. You're darn tootin' you were, Bill. I thought your show was just swell. Now they tell me. <laughs> Well, you know, if I did a detective show, I'd like to be a Canadian detective, sort of a cross between a Mountie and a gumshoe. <laughs> My horse would wear keds. Tennis, anyone? <laughs> well, Ray, would you like to show us what your detective program would be like? Sure. Okay, sure. John Scott, <clears throat> grab your baton and give us some Milan mood music. Detective stuff, you know, John? <laughs> You know who I am, but in case you don't know who I am, I'll tell you who I am. So the next time I say you know who I am, you'll know who I am without my telling you who I am. <laughs> I'm Ray Milan, Private Mounted Eye. <laughs> you can tell my eye is mounted because of the little saddlebags underneath. I want to tell you about a caper I was on this weekend. I was sitting in my office reading a police report on a big theft at Vancouver Harbor. Someone had stolen Vancouver Harbor. <laughs> the police were looking for a man with a large sponge. <laughs> I left my office and headed straight for the only man in all of Canada who could help me. He was out. So I went to see Chief Thundervoice, the world-renowned Indian guide. I've been guiding Indians for now on to 45 years. <laughs> Chief, I've got a problem and I need your help. Problem? Problem can wait. First, me send report to police headquarters by smoke signal. Oh, smoke signal, eh? Uh, but why have he got two fires going? Me make carbon copy. <laughs> Keep clever Indian. All right, you two, stay where you are. Just a minute, who are you? I'm Ross Dolan, detective. What do you want? A sponsor. <laughs> you know, suddenly I looked up and she walked in. Miland, I've got to see you. Oh, she was beautiful. Her hair was the color of draft beer. <laughs> Oh, yes. She really had a head on her shoulders. I could tell she was in trouble. Miland, I've got to see you. I've been told that you can be trusted. Who told you? My, my big, tough husband. Look, if you've got a big, tough husband, I can be trusted. I used to have a small, weak husband. Oh, now she tells me. <laughs> what seems to be your trouble, sweetheart? 
My husband's trying to kill me. Well, why should he want to kill you? You're so beautiful. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen up north. You're not bad looking a little further south, either. <laughs> How do you get... <laughs> How do you get such a beautiful complexion? Well, every morning I take a milk shower. A milk shower? How do you do that? I have a very tall cow. Ah! Well, let's keep trying, Madeline. Oh, will you help me, Mr. Milland? If you find out who's trying to kill me, I'll give you anything I've got. Anything, do you hear? I hear. <laughs> well, I'll take the case if you'll give me anything you've got. You will? Yes. All my life, I've wanted a very tall cow. Aho! Ray and everybody, powerful piece of dramaturgy, wasn't it? Rather. Now, Bill Gargan, here's a commercial. I dub you Chief Filkobird. <laughs> Read it loud and clear, huh, Chief? Okay, Thunder Voice. I want to tell the world about the new Filco phonograph that plays the 45-minute record. Of course, it doesn't play only a 45-minute record. No, sir, it plays all your regular records, too. And it's got Filco's slick automatic record changer, same as usual. But this 45-minute record is really a deal. Now, get this. You take this record, looks just like a regular 12-inch record, and put it on your new Philco, and boom. Like that, you've got all the music you would get from a six-record symphony album. No more juggling records to get them stacked right. With this new Philco, it's all there on one record. You're set. The only blessed thing you have to do is turn the record over once. And listen, uh, I'm not strictly the long-haired type, but believe me, this new Philco phonograph really sings to you. And not only symphonies. You can set yourself up a whole concert of dance or dinner music on just one long playing record. So take a listen at your Philco dealer now. Get yourself the newest thing in radio phonographs from Philco, the leader. Here's a song called Tree in the Meadow. It's been on the hit parade for low these many weeks. I'd like to have another go at it, and for insurance, I've engaged the services of Joe Venuti and his magic Santo Seraphim. There's a tree in the meadow where the stream drifting by and carved upon that tree I see I love you till I die I shall always remember The love in your eyes The day you carved upon that tree I love you till I die but further on down lover's lane A silhouette I see I know you're kissing someone else How I wish that it were me 
by that tree in a meadow my thoughts always lie and wherever you go you'll always know I love you Third seat in. Well, I'm glad you came back. That about does it for this session, folks, but I want to say that we're all very happy to have had this opportunity to come up to Vancouver and do a little towards starting the ball rolling to raise funds for the Sunset Memorial Center. Children here in Canada, as well as in every other country, need recreational facilities. It's up to all of us to provide them. The month of September is designated as National Youth Week, but as you know, and I know the care and the proper upbringing of children is an all-the-year-round job. Right you are, Bing. Uh, say, by the way, I almost forgot. What's I, this? What's I read your hunting story in the Saturday Evening Post this week. Uh, very interesting. Oh, you saw the Post, huh, Bill? Where were you hunting, Bill? Bing, I I'm mean... I'm Bing. You're yeah, Ray. No, He's Bill. Bill. I know. That's <laughs> anyway, where were you hunting? I was hunting up in northern Alberta, Ray. Oh, yes. I'm going up there next year to shoot an elephant. Ray, I don't want to appear as uh, too much of a critic, you know, or an expert or captious fellow, but it will be impossible for you to shoot an elephant in northern Alberta. All right, I'll shoot him in the leg. <laughs> trapped me into that, didn't you? You really trapped me, boy. <clears throat> what happens on the show next week, Bing? Well, Marilyn, next week we're going to be in my hometown, Spokane, Washington. And in addition to you, our guest will be the very popular song and dance man of Mother Wore Tights and other great 20th Century Fox pictures... Mr. Dan Daly. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't that great? Good night, Bing. Good night, Marilyn. Good night, folks, and thanks very much. This program is produced and transcribed in Canada by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in to Philco Radio Time next week and hear Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter, and his orchestra and Bing's guests, Dan Daly and Marilyn Maxwell. And remember, keep your eye on your Philco dealer now for the newest thing in radio phonographs from Philco, the leader. You're great. Thank you. Our guest, the brilliant star of the Metropolitan Opera Company, Mr. Ezio Pinza. 
So keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for its song. Did you hear that, Mr. Pinzer? <laughs> Whenever April showers come along. Good evening, folks. This is Al Jolson in the Old Craft Music Hall. Ladies and gentlemen, if anything I say tonight sounds like Mr. Truman, Mr. Wallace, or Mr. Dewey making a political speech, you're probably listening to the wrong show. <laughs> now, here's something to make sure you're listening to the right one. Take it. It was just one of those things. Just one of those crazy flings. One of those bells that now and then ring. Just one of those things. It was just one of those nights. Just one of those fabulous flights A trip to the moon on gossamer wings Just one of those things If we thought a bit of the end of it When we started painting the town We'd been aware that our love affair Was too hot not to cool down So goodbye, dear and amen Here's hoping we meet now and then It was great fun But it was just one of those days So goodbye, dear and amen, amen Here's hoping we meet now and then It was great fun But it was just one of those things. Well, that was very nice singing. Nice? Yeah. Ken, is that all you can say? It was very nice? <laughs> I'm sorry, Al. What else is there to say? Well, there's plenty of things you can say about my singing. What? Well, you could say it's wonderful, it's great, it's sensational. There's nothing like it? Well, I like to save those words for Kraft cheese. They're all. Ken, I, I don't think you and I see eye to eye. Oh, that's because I'm taller than you are. What else? <laughs> You're not taller. You're standing on a cheese box. Well, to tell the truth, I, I do like your singing, Al. Thank you, Ken. It puts me in a mood. Really? Why, when you stand here singing every Thursday, it, it takes me back. Yeah? Back to when Bing Crosby was singing on this program. <laughs> Mr. Carpenter, what do you want me to say to the people next week when they ask why you aren't with us? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just joking, Al. Well, that's better. And now, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to Oscar. I feel in the need of a yes man. <laughs> that's what I like about working for you, Al. There's freedom from freedom. <laughs> Oscar, I, I really deserve more respect than that. After all, I'm the mayor of a little town called Encino. How'd you get to be mayor? <laughs> Very simple. I just promised I'd clean up the town, and I did. What'd you do, move out?
Now I didn't move out. I'm living there right now. And Oscar, I, I really can't understand why you haven't been out to see me. I can understand. I haven't been invited. Well, you're invited. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Oscar. Just a little oversight on my part. You're invited, and honestly, you love the place, especially my orange grove. Oscar, you wouldn't believe this. I've got 185,206 oranges. Really, you've got to come out. I'll wait till after squeezing season. <laughs> but, Oscar, honestly, you don't know what a sight it is in the spring when you see those little oranges. First, they look like little green marbles. Then they get big, like green billiard balls. Then the metamorphosis sets in, and they ripen. They ripen and turn to yellow gold. What do you know? He grows his own money. <laughs> Oscar, look, earn a little money by playing as little as possible of the Greek concerto. He grows his own money. <laughs>
Here's a tip, a hot tip, we might call it, on cutting food costs. It's simply this. Serve hot cheese dishes often. Cheese main dishes. The price of cheese is down, and smooth-melting golden cheese is perfect for main dishes. Actually, ounce for ounce, there's no other basic food that matches cheese for high-quality, complete protein for calcium, phosphorus, and other nutrients from milk. So tomorrow, get smooth-melting, Kraft pasteurized processed cheese, Kraft American or Old English, or get K-brand natural cheddar, also fine for cooking. Have a cheese rabbit or a souffle or a casserole dish rich in golden cheese goodness. When you serve any one of these economy main dishes, the folks will say, why don't we have this more often? Oscar, we've been on the air for three weeks now. It's very unusual. We haven't asked each other where we went this summer. Nothing unusual about it. We didn't go anyplace. I don't know about you, but the reason I didn't go anyplace was that, well, I, I've been preparing material for my second picture. Well, uh, how are you doing that? Just by living, Oscar, just by living. <laughs> you know, Al? Yeah? You're the only guy I know who makes a living just by breathing. <laughs> you know some Oscar? Eddie Cantor, Jack Benny, Edgar Bergen, they all went to Europe this summer. But if I would have had a chance for vacation, I'd have taken you on a trip all over the United States. Where, we, where would you have gone first? Well... <laughs> I missed my train <clears throat> Well, before I got on the train I'd have walked up to a little girl And I'd have said Goodbye, little girl Goodbye Goodbye, little girl Don't cry In my uniform of blue I'll be coming back to you Goodbye Little girl, goodbye. Oh, that's the girl you said goodbye to in 1865. <laughs> that's the one uh, just before you were drafted, huh? Now, wait a minute, Oscar. Don't be silly. I'm off on my trip now. Where's your first stop? Well, first, I go to a little cabin. I put my arms on a little old lady right around her, and I say... Weep no more, my lady Weep no more today I will sing one song For the old Kentucky home For the old Kentucky home They're off! Jolson's in the lead, Jessel's on the rail, and Canner's right behind him. I think he'll stay there. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the idea? Well, you associate my old Kentucky home with a little old lady. I associate it with a little old horse. Oscar, stop upsetting my timetable. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning. No one could be sweeter than my sweetie when I meet her. In the morning If I had a lead lamp for only a day I'd make a wish and here's what I'd say Nothing could be finer Than to be in Carolina In the morning 
hope this guy learns a northern song so we'll be out of here before the hot spell sets in. <laughs> Oscar, for your information, I'm going to stay in the South, you other. Yasm. Yasm. Yasm, man. And I'm going to tell you something I wouldn't tell nobody, nobody but you. It's about another little old lady. You've got little old ladies all over the South. <laughs> well, this one paid for my little house in Encino. A million miles of one of your smiles, my man. Nothing doing, Al. I'm not gonna walk a million miles just to have one of your relatives smile at me. <laughs> Oscar, please let me go just one more place before we go home, will you? Velveeta. Velveeta. Your cheese is so sweeter To eat you is a treater Velveeta Al, what state is Velveeta in? Velveeta's in every state It's all over It's a spread, you know This guy burns his cheese at both ends Oscar, that's so subtle, even I don't get it. But now, I've got an orchestra so hot, I use them instead of smudge pots in my orange grove. After you've gone and left me crying, after you've gone, there's no denying, you'll feel blue, you'll feel sad. You missed the best pal you've ever had. There'll come a time, now don't forget it. There'll come a time when you'll regret it. Someday, when you grow lonely, your heart will break like mine. You'll want me only after you've gone. After you've gone away After you've gone And left me crying After you've gone There's no denying You'll feel blue You'll feel sad You'll miss the best pal you've ever had There'll come a time Now don't forget it There'll come a time When you'll regret it Someday When you grow lonely Your heart will break like mine And you want me only After you've gone after you've gone away, way, way, way After you've gone, after you've gone away Here's how to entertain without wrecking the week's food budget Take, for example, you're having the crowd in after the football game on Saturday one of your best bets for that buffet supper is a piping hot Welsh rabbit made the easy, economical way with Kraft's smooth-melting Velveeta. The price of this famous cheese food is down, and remember, Velveeta is a protein food, a satisfying main dish food. Your Velveeta Welsh rabbit will be just the thing for that hungry crowd. For a party of six, cut up a pound of golden Velveeta and melt it in the top of the double boiler. Then stir in one half cup of milk. Season to taste with dry mustard, Worcestershire, salt, pepper. Serve the gold and rich Velveeta Rabbit on toast points and just listen to the raves. 
Now, this same idea makes a splendid money-saving main dish for the family, of course. Remember, whether you serve it in hot dishes or cold sandwiches, Velveeta gives the folks fine nutrients from milk. So stock up tomorrow. One of your best buys in the food stores these days is economical, nutritious Velveeta. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight is a little departure. I was going to sing Kivolin Nemorasi by Scarlatti. But due to a slight cold I caught while playing basketball yesterday with a bare midriff, <laughs> I've asked Mr. Ezio Pinza, star of the Metropolitan Opera Company, to pinch it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ezio Pinza. Chi vuole innamorarsi, chi vuole innamorarsi, ci deve Chi vuole innamorarsi, ci deve ben pensare, ci deve ben pensare. Amore un certo fuoco, che se si accende un poco, eterno suol durar, eterno, eterno suol durare, suol durar, eterno suol durare, suol durar. Chi vuole innamorarsi, chi vuole innamorarsi, ci deve ben pensar, ci deve pensar, chi vuole innamorarsi, ci deve ben pensar, ci deve ben pensar. Non è lieve tormento, non è lieve tormento aver piagato il cor, piagato il cor, non è lieve tormento aver piagato il cor, aver piagato il cor. Concede ogni volere a due pupille arciere, chi serve il Dio d'amor, chi serve. Chi serve il Dio d'amor, il Dio d'amor? Chi serve il Dio d'amor, il Dio d'amor? Chi vuole innamorarsi? Chi vuole innamorarsi? Ci deve ben pensar, ci deve pensar. Chi vuole innamorarsi? Ci deve ben pensar. Bravo, 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 Ezio. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank I can see why the people flock to the opera just to hear you. Yes, they do. But the opera has a very difficult season. Yeah? And that is why I came to the musical to see you. No. Yes. It can't be true. The opera wants me to save it by singing. The grand opera sent for Al Jolson to sing. It couldn't be true. It couldn't be true. That's right. <laughs> it couldn't be true. But you just said that they had a very difficult season. That's why you've come to me. That's right, Al. Then they want my voice. No. 
They want your money. <laughs> Mr. Pinja, all my life. And when I say all my life, I'm saying a mouthful. <laughs> I wanted to be a grand opera singer. I wanted to strut back and forth on the stage and sing Figaro, 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 Figaro. Al, were you calling me? <laughs> Oscar, I was calling Figaro. Gee, there's more people that I don't know on this program. Mr. Johnson. <laughs> What about the proposition? Will you finance the opera? I have a better idea, Adio. We'll start our own opera company. Capital! Capital! <laughs> That's what we want from Johnson. <laughs> Al, have you ever been in Grand Opera? Of course, many years ago, I was an ill troubadour. What did you do? He took a beating in the anvil chorus. Master, <laughs> <laughs> he asked me, besides, the second performer that replaced me with a real anvil, you know. I don't know if that's enough experience. Yeah. In opera, you must be able to sing with volume yeah. and hold a long note like this. Somebody must be slipping this boy some wind. <laughs> Ezio, I'll give you a rough idea of what I can do. Just give me with the clarinet, will you? Sipo, Sipo, Signore, Signore, scusatemi, sei da solo mi presento, io sono il prologo. How'd you like that, Oscar? Did it sound like a clown with a broken heart? It sounded like a clown with a broken voice. And <laughs> your voice has some good quality. Yeah? Suppose I do consider your proposition. The first thing we ever have to do is change your name. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> what, uh, what could we change it to? Uh, how about Asa Parks? Uh, no. <laughs> it's too unbelievable. Wait, I have it. What? The perfect name for your entrance into opera is Alberto Giuseppe Giolsonini. <laughs> Al, someone finally made a ninny out of you. There is one question now, Al. Yeah? How high can you sing? How high can I sing? Well, when I was a boy, I sang so high they put me in a girl's choir. <laughs> but just when I got old enough to enjoy it, my voice changed. <laughs> Don't worry. Someday it will change back again. Yeah. Now, let us plan our first opera. Good. How about Don Giovanni by Moster from the play El Burlador de Sevilla y Combinado de Pietra? Oscar, a linesman. <laughs> uh, do you understand? Do I understand? Mr. Ezio Pinzio, you're making me feel very bad when you ask me to understand. When I was a bella bambina, I lived upstairs from Bacicaloupe, Antonio Bacicaloupe. You did? See, every day, every morning, noon, night, I eat antipas, I eat minestrone, a pasta vesu, oh. and pulle cacciatura, and crepla. <laughs> well, is my Italian good enough to get by? In opera, no. In restaurant, yes. Ezio, are we going to sing together or not? Yes, we are going to sing together or not. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, the Pinza Jolson Levan Opera Company now presents Pinza and Jolson in an Italian opera done in English, so Mr. Jolson will know what's going on or not. <laughs> Everybody darling And everybody calls you darling too As you don't know what you're saying It's just a game you're playing But you'll find someone else can play the game As well as you, Paisan, go ahead You call everybody darling Then love won't come knocking in your door and as the years go by, you'll sit and wonder why nobody calls you darling anymore. And now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the finest songs I've ever had the pleasure to sing, if you please. If we can't be the same old sweethearts Then we'll just be the same old friends For I want someone like you Just to tell my troubles to My happiness on you it all depends For I've known you too long To forget you And my old dream of love Never ends Though I know you can be mine we will meet from time to time And we'll still be The same old friend For I've known you too long to forget you And my old dream of love be mine We will meet from time to time And we'll just be the same old friend Just be the same Good night, everybody. One smart way to hold down food costs is to use up every bit of the leftovers. And here's a brilliant way to do that. Stretch the leftovers, add flavor and food value to them with rich cheese sauce made from Kraft's smooth-melting cheese food, Velveeta. For instance, next Monday, you may have just a little leftover chicken. Well, melt one-half pound of Velveeta in the top of your double boiler. Stir in... 
one quarter cup of milk. Add your bits of chicken and serve that gloriously good mixture on toast or on piping hot biscuits, shortcake style. There's an elegant eating main dish, a protein-rich main dish, and a money saver. Get set tomorrow to glamorize leftovers and cut food bills. Get plenty of Kraft smooth-melting cheese food for sandwiches and for cooking. Get genuine Velveeta. Thursday to the Kraft Music Hall, starring Al Jolson with Oscar Levant, Lou Bring, and his orchestra and chorus, and a special guest. This is Ken Carpenter saying good night. Be sure to stay tuned to Dorothy Lamore and her guests on the Seal Test Variety Show, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And from Hollywood, here comes the star-studded show train. Tonight, your railroads through the Association of American Railroads present the charming operetta, The Cat and the Fiddle. In our star-studded cast, you will hear the host of our series, Gordon McRae, two famous guest stars, Miss Reza Stevens and Mr. Adolf Manjou, and a great cast of Hollywood featured players. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the entire production is set to the music of Carmen Dragon's orchestra, and brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and the things you use in your daily life. And now, here is Gordon McRae. Thank you and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon McRae helping to bring you another in our series of musical comedy successes. Tonight, the Railroad Hour show train presents The Cat and the Fiddle, a musical love story by Jerome Kern and Otto Harbach. As our first guest tonight, we are extremely happy to present one of the most charming ladies of the Metropolitan Opera, Miss Reza Stevens, whose lovely voice will be heard in one of the songs she is supposed to have written in her role as Shirley Sheridan, a young American composer. Try to forget who you are. You have meant to me all I have meant to you too. My role this evening is that of Victor Florescu, also a composer. But my music is of the more serious type, as you will hear when I sing. One moment alone is all that we own, and yet in that instant rain. All 
also on our guest list is the popular Hollywood motion picture star, Mr. Adolphe Manjou. Mr. Manjou plays a producer of musical shows who seems to prefer Shirley's music to mine when he says, That man should be put away, preferably behind bars, where I won't be able to wring his neck. Our story opens in Paris in the spring. It is dusk, and the setting sun is reflected in the river Seine, which flows by the cave Altair. Here, vendors are busy selling their flowers, their vegetables, their old books and maps. Along the street comes Pompano, a vendor of music selling songs of love. Many are the lovers whose lips have met as Pompano strolled by singing... La nuit est pour l'amour La nuit est pour l'amour Bravo, bravo, monsieur. Votre chanson est très jolie. Oh, merci, mademoiselle. Voulez-vous acheter une coupée? Ah, mon monsieur, non pas aujourd'hui. Ah, mademoiselle is American, hein? Is my accent that bad? Oh, Pompino tells not only by the accent, mademoiselle. He tells by the look in the eye. The look in the eye? Certainement. Americans in Paris always have the look of hope that something will happen. Something? Oh, but yes, romance. And don't Frenchmen have a look of hope? Mademoiselle, Frenchmen do not hope. They know it will happen. Breathe the air. Look around you. Romance is everywhere. And while you sit here on your bench waiting, I have the charming American song for you. Here, I sing it. She didn't say yes, she didn't say no, she didn't say stay, she didn't say go. She only knew that he'd find her there, and then she knew he sat beside her there. Mademoiselle knows it. Mademoiselle wrote it. Mais non. Mais yes. Oh. See, right there, words and music by Shirley Sheridan. That's me. Incredible. Well, take the music away. I'll show you. She didn't say yes, she didn't say no, she didn't say stay, she didn't say go. She only knew that he had spied her there, and then she knew he sat beside her there. At first there was heard not one little word, then coyly she took one sly little look, and something awoke and smiled inside. Her heart had started beating wild inside, so what did she do? I leave it to you, she did just what you do too. She didn't say yes. She didn't say no. She didn't say stay. She didn't say go. She only knew that he spied her there. And then she knew he sat beside her there. Oh, 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 she did just what you do, too. She didn't say yes. She didn't say no. Pardon, ma'amselle, for my intrusion, but I just heard that song you sang. You have a fine talent for music. Thank you. Ah, uh, but what a pity you choose to cheapen it with such a vulgar commercial style. Well, really. Ah, uh, but your voice, the way you looked. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm a perfect stranger. Oh, but you're not. You're Victor Florescu, the prize student in composition at the conservatory. Oh, you study there too? No, I had to stop. I guess you'd call it a lack of woman's tuition. <laughs> Was I not right, mademoiselle? In Paris in the spring, it always happens. 
And now, Pompino goes. La nuit est La nuit est pour l'amour. Uh, but I did not go far. This was the first romance of the new spring season for Pompino, and it was still too young to trust without a guiding hand. I uh, leaned against a nearby street lamp to see if I could be of further help. I'm afraid our friend Pompino was a little too deep for me. What did he mean, it always happens? Oh, just something silly, Mr. Florescu. I, um, I'm glad I met you because I heard your symphony. It was very impressive. Impressive? Nothing more? Well, it was very sad and unhappy. You see, I tried to make it true to life, just as I'm trying in the new operetta I'm composing. But life isn't always sad. It can be thrilling and exciting and wonderful. Oh, it is when I look at you. Only twice before have I ever felt like this. The first time I heard Beethoven's Ninth, and then once in the Alps when I saw a sunrise, and now tonight when I first saw you smile. Mr. Florescu, back home, that would be called a line. You're afraid of life, aren't you? Oh, no, just cautious. For all I know, you may get a feeling like the sunrise over the Alps every afternoon, only with a different girl. Oh, you know that isn't true. Come have dinner with me. Oh, you seize opportunity quickly, don't you? It hasn't had a chance to knock even once as yet. Is that so bad? Oh, I suppose not. For a modern man... And aren't you a modern girl? I try to think I am. Then let me see you to your hotel. No. Hmm. That's not very modern. <laughs> I know. We'll have dinner at my house. Now you're getting futuristic. And even from 3,000 miles away, I can hear my Aunt Hester in Boston going... Very well, then. If you insist on propriety, I'll do the most proper thing I know. In place of a proper introduction, I'll write to you. I'll bombard you with letters until you say I may call. Could anything be more proper? Well, write to me if you wish. But you must send your letters to the American Express office. My, you are cautious. No, just practical. I can stay at my present address just two more weeks, then I must find new quarters. You can write me your address later when you answer my letters. You will answer, won't you? Perhaps. But if you lose interest, just stop writing. I'll understand. Lose interest? Oh, that would be like losing interest in life itself. In fact, I shall go now and write the first letter. Au revoir. Au revoir. Oh, I know what you're thinking, Aunt Hester. But you didn't see the look in his eyes. <laughs> ah, Pompino, you lovable romantic rascal. You've done it again. <laughs> However, the young man went away without learning the young lady's name. Luckily, Pompino knew that Monsieur Victor Florescu lived at La Petite Maison. So, leaving my lamp post quickly, I approached Miss Shirley and said, uh, <coughs> uh, pardon, mademoiselle, you are looking for living quarters. How did you know? Oh, you just told Monsieur Victor. But that was just between him and me and the lamp post. I was the lamp post. Oh. Pompino, the greatest guide in all Paris, knows just the charming pension for you. La petite maison. Flowers, birds, sunshine, a place beloved by artists and musicians, and most reasonable. Oh, that sounds wonderful, but I can't move there for two weeks. So, Pompino arranges that homes be held for you. Here is the card with the address on it. Oh, you're very kind. Uh, my pleasure, mademoiselle. Oh, this has been such a wonderful day. Good night, and thank you, Pompino. Uh, bonsoir, mademoiselle. Do not forget la petite maison. I will. Ah, now Bambino has truly brought the lovers together. In two short weeks, they will be living across the court from each other in La Petite Maison. 
just as I was about to give myself a hearty pat on the back, I saw Monsieur Victor returning. I beg your pardon, mademoiselle, I... Oh, it's you. Uh, my apologies, monsieur. Uh, you have forgotten something, perhaps? Well, as a matter of fact, I have. I neglected to ask the young lady her name. Pompino can tell you that, monsieur. It is Sheridan. Miss Shirley Sheridan. Shirley. Oh, very lovely. It fits her. But the Sheridan part, I think she should consider as just temporary. I wonder if she has ever thought of changing it. Oh, monsieur, a girl does not think of changing her name every thousand miles as if it were motor oil. Perhaps. But I have a feeling I will change it for her one day. That is, if I ever see her again. Ah, uh, you shall never fear. Just leave everything to Pompino. Oh, Pompano, how can I thank you? You can buy a song from me, one I have written myself. <laughs> see, see. Composers in Paris must be a dime a dozen. Oh, see I would rather watch the other fellow strolling down lover's lane. Watch him getting soft and mellow with love life on the brain. But how nice, cool as ice. With a sweet bonbon Just to dawdle and wisely smile While I look on Watch the love parade gaily going by Naughty man and willing maid Mischief in her eye See him squeeze her arm, press her little knee, buzzing round each rare fair charm like a busy bee. But when the march is ended and they part, when fears and tears are blended in each heart, I'm very glad I stayed sitting high and dry. Looking on the love parade, gaily going by. Why, Pompano, that's a very charming melody, but aren't the words a bit sardonic? That is my philosophy. Let the others fall in love while I sit back, foot loose and fancy free, watching the parade. We're the love Watch her closely cling to his manly side Thinking thoughts that well might bring Blushes to a bride But when the march is ended and we part When tears and fears are blended in each heart I'm very glad I stayed sitting high and dry Looking on the love parade, gaily going by. Watch the love parade, gaily going by, gaily going by. We'll return to the cat and the fiddle in just a moment. But first, here is a bit of information that will interest you. No man is better known for results in the field of research than Charles F. Kettering of General Motors. Speaking of railroads and the research that goes into them, Mr. Kettering said, and I quote, 
No matter what other forms of transportation do or what new ones come into being, the railroads will remain the backbone of transportation. And he added, the amazing progress made by the railroads in their first century is only a promise of what they will do, end of quotation. The progress of which Mr. Kettering spoke is the product of research carried on not only in the laboratory, but out of the great proving ground of the railroads themselves, plus the investment of billions of dollars in the better cars and engines, tracks and signals, and all the other improvements which research and invention have devised. And right now, to realize the promise of the future to which Mr. Kettering referred, the railroads are carrying forward an ever-increasing and expanding research program. And now back to The Cat and the Fiddle, starring Reza Stevens, Adolph Manjou, and yours truly, Gordon McRae. And here is Pompino to continue our story. In two weeks, just as I had planned, Shirley and Victor were living across the court from each other at La Petite Maison. Before they had a chance to realize it, Victor had callers. Monsieur Jules Daudet, the great theatrical producer, and Odette, the famous prima donna. I uh, happened to be under Victor's window, just listening to the music, of course, as he played one of his new compositions. Ah, glorious Victor, n'est-ce pas, Jules? Well, frankly, Odette, uh... frankly what, Monsieur Daudet? I'm anxious to hear your smallest criticism. Oh, Victor, darling, please. I'll be happy to give you my criticism, Florescue. Very happy. Jules, be calm. Why should I be calm? I'm a producer. And in my meager experience of some 20 years in the theater, I have discovered that for some reason, audiences do not pay money to listen to funeral music. As I've told you before, I write only what I feel. Then feel better. You've uh, got to lighten that score with some brighter numbers. The score stands exactly as I have Victor, planned. Victor, darling, Jules, this can all be worked out and we'll have a wonderful show. Victor, chérie, go back to the piano and play that number you wrote for me in the third act, eh? I'll play too on my fiddle. Very well. Ah, oh, Jules, Jules, listen to me. Victor will do better, I'm sure. <laughs> He's just in a mood. Two weeks ago, he met some little American girl. And instead of working, he began writing long letters to her. So, when she finally answered one, I simply destroyed it before he saw it. Soon he will forget all about her. <laughs> you know, composer. Yes, too many of them. Sing the words, Victor, darling, while I play. Very well. The breeze kissed your hair, knowing you were fair, and all the night seemed to, I wanted to, but I did not dare, you filled me with despair, one moment there I sat with you. Vanished from your view. One moment alone, that's all we have known. 
And yet it seemed paradise Had opened its golden portal There in your lovely eyes One moment alone was then I was shown A glimpse of an angel of There's no denying it has beauty, but such somberness can only induce mass melancholia. Listen to that. That's all I need. New neighbors with a passion for trash. Is that the sort of thing you want, Monsieur Daudet? Mm, not bad. In fact, just the sort of thing I want. Then you're in the wrong studio. Very possibly. Au revoir, Odette. As Monsieur Daudet left Victor's room, the spot where I had been lolling under his window grew suddenly quite uncomfortable. So I followed Dodet across the court because I noticed a bench outside of Shirley's window that would be a much better place for me. To rest, of course. I settled myself just as Dodet knocked on Shirley's door. Come in. May I? My name is Jules Dodet. The producer? Yes, but don't hold it against me. Oh, I should say not. I'm Shirley Sheridan. You are quite as lovely as the tune you were playing. Did you compose it, Miss Sheridan? I'm afraid I'm the guilty party. I'm looking for some songs like that for a new operetta I'm producing. Would you mind playing it again? Well, I'd be happy to. Try to forget all you, all you have meant to.
charming. I know just the spot in the play for that number. I'll fill the stage with dancers in Latin American costumes. As they dance, they'll sing. Try to forget what you all you have meant to me. That's just the spirit that needs to be injected into the score that headstrong young composer has written. Injected? But I couldn't do that, Monsieur Daudet. I know how a composer would feel having someone else alter his score. There goes the happiness boy across the court again. That's the composer whose operetta I'm considering, Victor Florescu. Florescu? Yes, he has loads of talent, but egotistical. Thinks no one composes anything good but himself. You should have heard what he said about your composition. He... He didn't like it? He called it trash, but no matter. His show will not be produced without lighter music. He'll argue, but Odette is used to calming him. Odette? Yes, the star of the show. And of course, she has a personal interest in him. Very personal. And he has a personal interest in her? Definitely. Although it's apparent he dabbles elsewhere from time to time. Oh, he dabbles, does he? Well, Monsieur Daudet, I'll write as many songs for Victor Florescu's operetta as you can use. I'm something of a dabbler myself. <sighs> Lesser genius than Pompino would have given up hope to see his favorite romance fall so far asunder. I did not know how, but I was sure that someday, somehow, I would bring those two together in happiness in spite of themselves. So, on the night that Shirley was to play her music for Victor at Dode's apartment, I, uh, quite coincidentally, was standing near his window, enjoying the view of the lovely bois. Oh, Jules, I, I'm so nervous about tonight. But you needn't be, my dear. When Victor hears your songs, well, not even that mad genius could resist your charm. Ah, surely, my dear. If I were sure that no one else had a claim on your heart, I would... Uh, that will be Odette and Victor. You can depend on him for bad timing. Now, don't worry. If Victor won't permit your numbers in the show... There will be no show. Ah, bonjour, Jules, mon cher. Well, hello, Dad, come in. And, Victor, how are you? Well, where's this composer? Let's get it over with. I promised I'd listen, so... Shirley. Good evening, Victor. Ah, you two know each other? Well, that makes it all the better. Yes, it gets better and better all the time. Now, what's the matter with him? Jules, please, no quarreling tonight. Oh, Shirley, this is Mademoiselle Odette, Miss Sheridan. Ah, how do you do, Mademoiselle Sheridan? I'm always interested in Jules... Uh... 
protégés. He's so generous with them. <laughs> I'm sure you speak from experience, mademoiselle. I wish somebody would tell me what's wrong with everybody. Oh, nothing's wrong, Jules, darling. Uh, should I begin my additions to the score? Of course. Sit down, Odette. Victor? I'll stand. Naturally. This is not my own composition, Mr. Florescu, but a rewrite of one of yours. I'm sure it's a great improvement. Oh, I tried to make it a little happier, more optimistic. As I remember, you thought life is wonderful and exciting. I'm glad you found what you were looking for. Florescu, would you mind letting her get on with the thing? All right, Shirley, my dear. Perhaps Mr. Florescu would join me. I'd be... Victor! Charmed. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Florescu. One moment alone, that's all we have known, and yet it seems Till you hear the next one. Well, I for one intend to hear no more. Victor's beautiful music ruins. Oh, Dad. I will listen to no more. If you wish to see me, I will be in my apartment. And what do you think, Victor? Unfortunately, Monsieur Daudet, that is also my opinion. Easy commercialized emotion sickens me. Good night. That man should be put away. <laughs> Preferably behind bars, where I won't be able to wring his neck. Victor, Victor, please. Oh, forget Victor, my dear. Frankly, I'm not at all sorry they've left us. Come, my dove. I have a bottle of Napoleon brandy I've been saving for just such an occasion. What does the most beautiful composer in all Paris say to that? What does she say, Jules? I don't quite understand. She wanted to stay, but thought she should go. She wasn't so sure that he'd be good. She wasn't even sure that she'd be good. She wanted to rest all cuddled and pressed. A popular a part of somebody's heart. She loved to be on a post with him, but not behind a folded door with him. So what did she do? I leave it to you. She did just what I'll do too. Good night, Jules. Shirley, Shirley, come back, my dove. I'm not a dove. I'm a homing pigeon. Ah, 
mademoiselle, chérie de... Un pompino. When pompino decides to watch over someone, he watches. Come, I'll take you over my pigeon. My bicycle is here. Bicycle? A tandem. Oui, with room for two. Ah, uh, have you never bicycled through the bois in the moonlight? There's always the first time. Let's go. Uh, mademoiselle, you are comfortable? Yes, but not very happy. Uh, you and that young composer, you're having trouble, huh? Oh, Pompano, I don't understand it. I fixed his music and did all I could for him. And did he appreciate it? No. He laughed at it and left with Odette. That cat with her fiddle. Ah, uh, 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 you must not jump to conclusions. Perhaps there is a reason, a very simple one. If you will but go to him and give him a chance to explain. Well, I... I... Oh, but of course, if Mademoiselle insists on being stubborn, uh, I... No, 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 Pompino, no. Take me to him. Take me as quickly as you can. Nothing matters, nothing matters except love. Mademoiselle, and there is Victor's door. Go quickly, quickly, up the stairs with you. Victor, Victor, are you there? Victor, Victor, it's Shirley. Please let me in. Uh, uh, what goes on in here? Oh, it is you, Mademoiselle Sheridan. Your studio is on the other side of the court. Madame, has Monsieur Florescu come in yet? Oh, may we. In like a storm and then ride out again like a hurricane. Bag and baggage. Bag and baggage? He's... he's gone? He says he's through with Paris for life. And if any mail come for him, tear it up. Uh, I go back to bed now. Bonsoir, mademoiselle. Bonsoir, madame. Oh, Victor, Victor. I loved you so. Here's a bit of news which means something to everybody who uses transportation. And in this country, that's all of us. The other day, the Association of American Railroads completed arrangements to build a new railroad research laboratory. It's going to be located on the campus of the Illinois Institute of Technology at Chicago. 
From this laboratory, much of the widespread engineering and mechanical research of the industry will be directed. This new development is completely in line with the long-time practice of the railroad industry. For many years, research has been carried on by and for the railroads in the laboratories of universities and technological institutions and manufacturers of railroad supplies and equipment. Research has been carried on, too, on the railroads, which, in addition, have served as the proving grounds for the testing and trial of ideas, no matter where developed. There are two things we should keep in mind about all railroad research. One is that railroads don't make things to sell. They buy things, all sorts of things, from manufacturers and use them to produce transportation service. As a service industry, therefore, railroads receive the benefits of research done by almost every manufacturing industry in the country. And another thing to remember is that the railroads which serve you can never shut down to retool for next year's models. So everything new that is introduced on a railroad must work right along with what is already there during a necessary period of transition. That's why progress on the railroads is and must be an evolution, a growth, not a revolution. This new research laboratory to be built by the Association of American Railroads on the Illinois Technology Campus is another forward step in a long-continued cooperative program that is going forward today more actively and on a broader front than ever before. You will see its results more and more in the new equipment coming into service on the railroads in ever-increasing numbers, just as one part of what Mr. Kettering called the amazing progress of the railroads. <laughs> The show train will return in just a moment after a brief pause for station identification. Now back to The Cat and the Fiddle, starring Reza Stevens, Adolf Manjou, and yours truly, Gordon McRae. And here's Pompano continuing the story. For days I searched all Paris, but I could find not one trace of Victor. Then one day, as I was passing Shirley's window, I heard her talking to Dodet. No, Jules, my mind is made up. I'm sailing for America on the first boat I can get, and I won't allow any of my songs to be used in, in Victor's score. You're throwing away your big chance, my dear. I'm sorry, Jules, but that's final. Come in. Mademoiselle. What is it, Pompano? Mademoiselle, you must give up this thought of going to America. Oh, I'm sorry, Pompano, but there's no reason for me to stay now. Just because your composer has vanished. All you have to do is get him back. Well, he'll never come back. Ah, but of course he will. He composed this operetta, no? Yes. And Monsieur Daudet wants to produce it if some of your songs are used, no? Of course I do. Then let it be produced. Pompano, what are you talking about? Mademoiselle, angry lions could not keep a composer away from hearing the opening night of his first operetta. Oh, Pompano... I think you might be right. You're a genius. Naturellement, the greatest genius in all Paris. Shirley, I'll give it the most brilliant opening this town has ever seen. <laughs> For once it appeared that Pompino, the greatest student of human nature in all Paris, was wrong. At the opening of the operetta, Shirley and I stood in the lobby, 
watching every member of the audience. But nowhere did we see Victor. Patiently we waited all through the show. Oh, Pompano, what a pity Victor can't hear how everyone loves his music. Ah, Mademoiselle is too generous. They like your music oh, but, too. But listen, they're going to do the finale now, and I didn't touch one note of it. It's all Victor. Are you, mademoiselle? No, no, it's for Victor. Victor is here. Look, look. Monsieur Dodé is out on the stage. Messieurs, mesdames, I thank you for the manner in which you have received tonight's operetta. You have called for the author. Actually, there are two of them. But I can only guarantee producing one. I won't go up there. This one is standing in the wing, where he has been standing all evening. Monsieur Victor Flores. Victor! Victor Pomino, did you hear? Thank you. Thank you very much. If, if you enjoyed tonight's production, it was because of my collaborator. For it was she who supplied the happiness that is in it. And if she is in the audience, I beg her to come up here and stand beside me where she belongs. Are you out there, Shirley? Yes, Victor, yes. Here I am. Go on, go on, go up there. Yes, Pompano. Shirley, my darling, are, are you coming? Yes, Victor, yes. Here, my dear. Right up those steps. Oh, thank you, George. I've lost you, but what hits I'll get out of you and Victor. Shirley, my darling, kiss me. No, 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 in front of, in front of this whole audience. Why, even your Aunt Hester would approve this time. I'm asking you to marry me. Oh, Victor. <laughs> Give us a song. Hey. All right, you two. Save that clinch till later. Sing. The night was made So we decide, I, Pompino, the greatest romantic genius in all Paris, slipped out of the theater. Mission completed. So very glad to be sitting high and dry, looking for night was made for love. The night was made for 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon McRae giving a special vote of thanks to our guest stars this evening, Miss Lisa Stevens and Mr. Adolph Monju, and to the other members of tonight's cast for their fine performances in our production of The Cat and the Fiddle, which was adapted for radio by Mr. Don Ettlinger. Next week, our star-studded show train will arrive on the same tracks at the same time. On board will be the Metropolitan Opera Soprano, Miss Dorothy Kirsten, and Kenny Baker to join me in bringing you the famous Sigmund Romberg operetta, The Student Prince, with our chorus under the direction of Norman Luboff and the music arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. All aboard! Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. So until next week, goodbye. And remember, during the coming week, as always, the American Railroads will provide for you the dependable, low-cost transportation which is so essential to the American way of living. The Cat and the Fiddle has been presented by special arrangement with Pam's Whitmark Music Library. Mr. Monshaw will soon be seen in the Warner Brothers picture, My Dream is Yours. Gordon McRae appeared on this program by arrangement with Warner Brothers. This is Marvin Miller speaking. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the Association of American Railroads. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.